0: And get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support.
1: Much love. Thank you.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves podcast.
1: For those of you I haven't had the honor of connecting with, I'm Kylie. I just feel like I need to presence who I am. And
0: (laughs) she's my wife.
1: I'm excited to be in this conversation with you as we kind of explore what, what is liberated love and why now?
0: Why now? Like, why are we inviting this new template of of how we create relationships together? And yeah, we, we did. We did write a book. Um, and we're going to talk about what is the premise of, like, how do you actually do this liberating yourself? How do you even know you're stuck? Think about when you have the same conversations over and over again, the same fights, you date the same types of people. Like, this is all a sign that you are not really fully um, transforming through the feedback that we're getting. Like we repeat, we, we, we repeat patterns because we don't change them, right? Like if you think about it just an algorithm, if you keep making the same choice, you keep ending up in the same dance and you keep ending up with the same types of people. And at some point, or you, you stay in the same fight, it starts the same way, it's about a different thing, but it's really always comes back to the same stuff. So what I'm saying is, is like, we have to at least create a space where we can take a left instead of a right. So it's not just about just freaking choose a different thing. If it was that easy, we'd all do it, right? Like there, w- we'd put our phones down when instead of going down rabbit holes, we'd swipe left when we should instead of right. You know, there's so many things we do differently. So we want to talk about creating that space for difference, for change. Okay. Let's define um, how we see codependency in a relationship because it's a little different than maybe what the traditional definition would be.
1: Yeah, so in the book we define codependency as any relational dynamic where we source safety from something or someone outside of ourselves at the expense of self, our needs and our well-being. And the really big distinction here is at the expense of like so cuz cuz we're human, we have needs. We are co-regulating with other humans all the time and we do have needs in relationship that's what healthy interdependence is is like i'm able to stay connected to self and be in relationship and it's a mutual reciprocal dynamic but unfortunately a lot of what we've been modeled in our early childhood but also culturally is imprints of codependence where we're disconnected from self to maintain a connection with another where we learn at a very young age in order to stay safe I need to orient around another person, try to make them okay so that I feel okay. And usually that imprint comes from our primary attachment with mother, father, or primary caregiver. And then it just kind of trickles into adolescence and then full blown adulthood where you're like, I don't even know who I am. And I'm sick and tired of orienting around every, everybody else and their needs and et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, cause it's exhausting, right?
0: Yeah. And I think so much of that is like, we wake up to this, like, I'm just tired. I'm tired of feeling the same way, having the same relational outcomes. I'm tired. I'm just freaking tired.
1: So in a codependent dynamic, nobody's core needs of being seen, being heard, being witnessed, being listened to are actually being met. Like, I know there's a lot of conversation around, like, we kind of label it as there's a giver and there's a taker and the giver usually kind of, um, can kind of put on this martyrdom like I give 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 and it's you know you're always taking 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 but in regard in in general like I'll just name like the taker and the giver nobody's winning <laughs>
0: like right
1: nobody's true needs are being met in a codependent dynamic because these are the very young adaptive parts of us that are in relationship and so when we're in those young parts and they're adaptive um and they're very beneficial in early childhood to help us survive and protect ourselves from emotional pain from disconnection but that's they become maladaptive over time when we don't mature out of them and that's like the invitation of this book is like this is a maturation process where we learn the skills and we learn how to resource in ways so that we can access more choice and agency within our own beings within our own bodies so that we can bring that forward into our relationships and feel free to shift the dance if you want well, to
0: be ourselves you know isn't it wild that you can be in a relationship but not actually be in it like you are not actually fully yourself in it I, I think it's crazy that we get out of relationships and then we pursue our dreams then we come fully alive then we do the thing and while i am a very big proponent of using that energy to to become the best possible fucking version of yourself and i will always be your greatest advocate for that I also am like, why aren't we creating that in the relationship? Why isn't the relationship the place that we do that? And that's possible for all of us. But I think because we're afraid, like if we think, oh, they wear the pants. They have the power. I have the power. I wear the pants. These are these ways that we talk about, like, don't text them back too fast because you won't create. You won't be able to play the game. They're going to, like, pull away from you. We think about all this stuff because when when we believe that power is finite, we actually believe that there is a power, that there is like a finite amount of power. And if my partner, if my wife gets more powerful, I somehow, uh, she gets a leg up. And I'm like, no, like if Kylie becomes more powerful, the relationship becomes more powerful, I become more powerful, that everybody wins. And if Kylie uh, hides her voice or I hide my voice in the relationship, the relationship will bring up things that require me to use my voice, the frictions that are happening. I might start to get resentful. I might start to get a bit of stomach issues. I might start to not want to be intimate. Like there's all these different things that can come up, but what's really being invited for me to bring forward to the relationship is like, Hey, like sometimes I have a hard time expressing myself and, and really asking for what I need. And I'm, I'm needing to say this or, there's maybe a need for a no in the relationship, or that's not okay. And the relationship, we think about it like this, like the relationship is saying this material needs to be healed and worked with to go to another level. Like, that's what we need to do. And so we get this opportunity to be like, hey, what happens if we actually use our relationship to liberate us? I mean, there's a quote from Ram Das, which is right here. This is a quote from the book. The highest relationship is one where two people have consciously and and intentionally said, yes, let's get free Mm -hmm. and let's use our relationship with one another as one of the vehicles for doing that. In order to do that, since we know that in freedom is truth, let's be truthful with one another. Right? Like, let's be truthful with one another. How often in relationship, I was so guilty of this, I would say my whole relational life, until recently. Thank you. I was guilty of not actually sharing how I fucking feel not actually standing in the truth. I avoided truth. I remember once. Uh, this is when I was like, 18. There was a rose I'd given my girlfriend for uh, our anniversary because I mean, who doesn't give a rose for an anniversary. And I remember looking and the rose was like, kind of dying. And I was like, mm, kind of like our relationship. And I was like, hmm, should, mm. I should probably say something. And i remember thinking no no i won't say anything it'll work itself out it did not work itself out i mean it worked out because hey what's up but it didn't and we used to just avoid these things yeah that's one of my favorite quotes from uh rilke love consists of this that two solitudes protect and border and salute each other Mm -hmm. um there's just so much beauty in this idea of laying truth at the altar of relationship. And you we can think about this in the context of long term relationships, of course, like I miss us, I miss you, I feel disconnected from you. I'm still not okay with this, like whatever needs to be rapport. But actually, in the dating process, it's the exact same. So whether you're in a relationship or not, there is an opportunity to change how you relate. And I think it's um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who said to Glennon Doyle, there's no such thing as one way liberation like if I'm liberated you are too you just might not know it yet so if one person brings forward something that's going on for them the other person is actually liberated through it too they might be resistant to that do both people in the partnership need to be doing these things together babe what do you think
1: (laughs) I mean ideally that would be helpful and supportive um however you know hmm there's this part of me that, you know, in, in sitting with that question is like, can we sit with our stuff first and like really examine where we've disconnected from self, where what masks or roles we're playing that aren't in service in every single area of our lives, whether that's the cool girl, the caretaker, the martyr, the, um, you know,
0: the perfectionist.
1: Miss, yeah, Mr. Nice Guy, like all of these different like that it shows up in every single area of our life. I always like to come back to self first before I start dancing into you know relationship with another because I feel like the more we have self-awareness and self-understanding, the easier it is to navigate our own reactivities and the more space we have internally to relate to our partners or in the relationship um from a from a good way. Now I think you know one of the things we talk about in the book, as a principle of liberated love, is that both partners are willing to take responsibility for their side of the street. Like they're both willing participants in the relationship and they are both willing to own what's theirs and not any more. Like no overfunctioning, not taking on more than what's yours um, and not taking any less. Like it's a call to, uh, again, you know, to put it lightly and not so lightly, it's a call to grow up. I'd be like, okay, you know what? This isn't mine anymore. Like, this is ours, but like, I'm no longer going to show up in this way with you regarding, you know, X, Y, Z. So, the long and short Such of it
0: powerful shift.
1: The long and short of it is like, can you do a lot of this work with yourself and in other relational dynamics, whether it be familial? Because we can do so much family work that then shifts our whole relational dynamic and vice versa. Most of my work that I've done with Mark and in partnership shifted my whole family system because that's the root of it. You know, it's it's the family system. It's the intergenerational ancestral karmic pathways that we're being invited to heal at this time to liberate love for our lineage. And so it's a both and that's kind of how I'm like, I, I relate to that as a both and like, yes, and
0: I think you you do the work first internally because you're starting to clean up your side of the street. And it's like, yeah, do it on your own. Do it on your own. You could do this without a partner, because what you're really doing is saying I want to be in a relationship with the truth. I want to be in a relationship with reality. Think right now, just like all of us. Let's just take a moment. What is something that you know to be true that you do not actually live in your life? What is something that you know to be true that is necessary for your health, your well-being, for your relationships that you do not do? Just think about it. A few things here one is when you know something and you don't do it you're not in integrity with your word with your knowledge with your wisdom so this is about actually coming back to building trust because a lot of the times in relationship we give up these things for the relationship and what we do then is we blame the relationship for the eradication of a self. Now, granted, it could be because it's familiar for us to be in relationship dynamics where we don't take up space, where we don't have a voice. Don't these things ebb and flow between partners too? Yes. Like Kai and I play leapfrog, like one person grows, invites the other person. One person grows, invites the other. What was really transformative for us is that Kylie we had this recognition that like, if something is coming up for Kylie, it's coming up for me. I just can't sense it. If something's coming up for me, it's coming up for her because it's coming up from our relationship. But this could be true in, as Kylie said, in any relationship you have, but you can really look at the magnifying glass with self, which is if we're not telling the truth in our relationships, it means we're not telling the truth to ourselves and no change, no transformation begins without first connecting to reality.
1: Yeah, and you know what that brings up for me, as you say it, is like the amount of gaslighting, right? The external gaslighting, and then, and internal, and then yeah. internal gaslighting. Hi,
0: well, what I this doesn't I mean,
1: matter. There's no, like, there's, like,
0: I don't have the right to take up right. space, like, use my voice. So I'm much too of much, that. too needy.
1: And in many ways, and I'm speaking from a female experience here is it hasn't been safe for women to take up space, to access our, no, to have agency, to step into power, to set boundaries and limits. Um, it hasn't felt safe um, for us in our physical yeah, felt sense experience. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's such a, You know, for me, and also mapped out in the book, is this really tender process of looking at all the ways that we have overridden our own intuition, where we've overridden our own needs, our own voice, our own well being, our own no. It's like, ugh, like that really sucks. And it's like, why am I doing that? Because I'm causing myself more harm, right? Ultimately. Right. Now, again, it's rooted in self-protection and it's who, what will happen if I rock the relational boat, if I rock the intergenerational boat. Like if I take up more space, if I step into my agency, if I place boundaries within my family system, will, will I lose my family? Like ultimately, like there's, it goes that deep of like, I'm afraid that if I change how I've been operating, that I'm going to lose the people I love. And that's a really scary scary thing. You
0: know? Yeah, and you know I think when we consider traditionally how partnership changes like the one person who maybe we might see as having the more dysfunctional behavior or not putting in as much work or whatever it is, it is actually important that they grow up and and become adults, right? Like take care of themselves pursue and seek help for themselves which doesn't mean we can't support them but you know for the people who are chasing who are the ones who are reading all the books it actually is about not trying to fix them anymore it's actually about containing our own energy in ourselves you know because what is usually at the root of that behavior is like i want someone to change like i find it to create safety but i want I want them to change. I want to finally be enough. I want them to choose me. I want them to want to understand me. But it's actually through the getting right with reality and seeing like, are you listening to yourself? Do you choose yourself? Because there has to be a space between what you're putting yourself in relationship to or with who, and is this a good choice for you? And so what starts to happen is, and this is an interesting one because I've had to heal it, and I would say it continues to be a work in progress, is that when we present as the victim, which I'm not negating the true experience of victimization, but when it becomes this the consciousness we live in, not the experience, but actually the consciousness we live in, we often source power through it or righteousness or martyrdom. And so to actually let that go, to actually say, I actually overgive. I'm actually playing the martyr. Oh, my God, when I had to do that, uh, it was like, oh, like, I'm actually influencing through this presentation of martyrdom. I'm actually manipulating. I'm actually controlling. It's honestly one of the most beautiful steps down from the pedestal we've put ourselves on as a protective mechanism. And it presents as one down. That's the trick of martyrdom. It presents as one down, it presents as powerless, but it's actually incredibly powerful. But it's like a flip, it's an inversion. And to finally say, I'm no longer gonna do that. And if you wanna change and read these things and walk alongside me, I would love that. that There's was, there was nothing more I'd love. Mm. And I believe in you, that if you desire that, you can create that. But I'm no longer gonna take the space away from you that you need to step into. And that's our growth is actually stepping back. I remember having that realization because Kylie and I had a bit of the anxious avoidant dance, obviously me more the anxious, um, her more avoidant. And I realized like, how can she ever come towards me when I take up the space for her to actually walk towards me? Like I'm taking it away. I I do the pursuit and I'm like, come pursue me. And I'm like, I'll pursue you first. oh. And so I leave my center in order to go get her instead of standing in my center and her standing in hers and us being two Adults. beings yeah, that have a relationship that lives between us. Mm-hmm. We are centered in ourselves. And through that, we have reverence for one another's. And this is one of the principles of liberated love, mm-hmm. that you have reverence for the each other's path, that your path is your path and my path is my path.
1: You know, for me, this conversation, there's so many threads and places to go with it, but it really does come back down to the roots, the soil, which is our nervous system. Like, because we've grown up in, I think, for many of us, I won't say all of us, but really dysregulated spaces where we have lacked um, sufficient co-regulation, many of us don't know how to self-regulate like don't actually know how to be with our emotions, don't know how to be within our own nervous systems, don't know how to actually identify when we're activated. Like we can't even differentiate that. And myself included for the first 30 years of my life. And um, it was just, oh gosh, when you say that out loud, you're like, wow, I was just being unconsciously pulled in these directions on autopilot, just trying to survive. And then really, this is that journey of like out of survival, self-protective mode into self-responsibility into, um, into, into adulthood but like into new pathways of possibility in terms of how we can respond both to ourselves and to another in relationship. But right, like how do we create internally and externally the infrastructure we need to be able to regulate and increase our capacity for relational discomfort? Like at the roots, like we need to do a lot of work to be able to increase our capacity to be with what is here. Cause there's a lot to be worked with at this time. And so a lot of the conversation I'm excited to have in this book, but also with you is how do we resource? Like, how do we become well-resourced humans so that we can change the way we operate, change the way we do things, change the way we relate to other people and ourselves. And, you know, that starts really small with like emotional attunement, Am I connected to my body? Do I know what emotions I'm feeling? Can I name my emotions? Can I name my emotional needs? Do I see which patterns are playing out in this relational dynamic? How old are these patterns? Like not to get too much in the cognitive, but like it's that level of self-understanding that allows us to feel more in my experience and also based off the work I've done with clients, safer. Like when we have the words, the language, at least the mental frameworks we need, the context, we can actually um, begin to have more compassion for ourselves instead of just falling back into, it's all your fault (laughs) or I'm broken and there's something wrong with me. It's like, no, actually there's a lot going on and um, it's all beautiful, (laughs) right? It's all beautiful. It's tricky. And yeah,
0: Yeah, I think if the relationship Mm. keeps reinforcing this idea that you're broken, then you need to change how you orient to the relationship. You know, like Kylie and I had that conversation before we broke up. Like, if you need to actually think that you're broken to be in this relationship, then this doesn't serve us. Mm. Like, the relationship has to change, and that deep-seated belief that there's something wrong with me has to be healed. And it can only be healed by starting to trust ourselves, by accessing choice. And you know, what we're really talking about is if, if you don't have access to your voice relationally, then you don't have access to even your yes, your I do your commitment is actually got an asterisk and a small print in it. Because if you don't know, if you don't say no, when you really need to, or even have access to when you feel like you should say no, which I know you can sense come up, it's probably easier to access in a workplace. But If we don't have access to that information or we're not willing to share it, then actually saying yes to our relationship comes with this small print that says, oh, yeah, I'm saying yes, but it requires this, this and this from me. And I'm only saying yes because I'm afraid that if you leave me, I'm going to uh, feel abandoned. I'm going to feel rejected. So instead of experiencing Mm -hmm. the abandonment and rejection I haven't yet fully processed, probably from my childhood, I'm going to actually cling to you. Because if you leave me, there's this space that's been unattended to. This is why I've long said that if someone leaves you and you are you let, feel like a part of you was taken with them, then what a gift that is to recognize that no one has a part of you. I know it's dreamy to say stuff like twin flame, but sometimes that shit just justifies why we tolerate such bullshit. We're like, that's this is a soulmate, my twin flame, they complete me. I'm like, maybe their lesson is to teach you that you're complete. Like, what a gift that is. I You know, I think there's that idea that...
1: The spiritual hook, we call it in the book.
0: Yeah, in the book, we talk about that spiritual hook, right? That, which I think also lives in the spiritual communities. And this is not a judgment, Mm -hmm. but about things like open relationships, that there's just this like bypassing of the deep, which no judgment on anyone wanting to be in an open relationship we just have to recognize that on a deep deep biological level there is a need to know that you're always asking this question if things aren't okay would you be there for me and are you there for me am I safe to be myself so ask yourself that question about if you're single about your most recent relationship if you're dating someone ask it now too like Am I safe to be myself?